about all things beer from the Green Dragon Inn. Good morning. And good Jonas. morning to you. Yes. Hello. Good to, good to talk to you. So you're, uh, you're in a different time zone, aren't you? I am. I'm in a very different time zone. Uh, it is 9 o'clock in the evening for me. I believe it's 8.08 in the morning for you. So we are speaking to people around the world probably mostly in your time zone, but you never know. We could get a few in mind. Coming coming from the entire world. I love that. We're uh, speaking to folks around the world, literally. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jonas, tell us what Free Foam is about. Free Foam. Free Foam is a, a formal and informal discussion about beer. And any questions you have, you can shoot them our way. We'll get you that information sometime in the near future on how to shoot shoot us your questions. Uh, I hope to include other things in the wide world other than beer, but beer is a vehicle and a launching point for any worthwhile conversation. Well put. We, uh, we're going to be talking about anything and everything. Our minds go all over the place, uh, but it all starts with beer. And um, speaking of questions, the, the one thing we do have uh, as our format is we get a random question generated each week, and we don't have any prep for that. The question pops up, and then we start talking about it. Uh, the other common factor is, of course, beer. Um, I am going to be drinking a Chimay White this morning. Uh, nothing like a 8% alcohol Belgian Abbey Ale to start the day with uh, here mm-hmm. in Appalachia. Jonas, what are you having today? Now, now I am drinking a proper white called a Vedette Extra White. Uh, oh. When Sam said Chimay White, he was referring to the label. Sam, is that a triple malt you're drinking? Um, the Chimay, just... I believe, is actually, yeah, it's the triple, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, so the white I'm... label. Yeah. I wasn't able to get a, a white label chilled in time, so I just had to pick up something chilled. So I am drinking a a, 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 a Belgian wheat beer. Excellent, excellent. Well, best I you could know, do. This, well, you know, from Belgium, from the world, beer is beer. And uh, let's see if we can get this on the recording. Here we go. Did you guys hear that? Mm, I didn't. No, hear. probably not. And here goes the glass. Ah, okay. Well, I'm tipping up the bottle tonight. I'm drinking out of the bottle tonight, man. I'm I'm going back porch on this one. It's rustic, and you know, speaking of uh, white beers, I am drinking out of it with Cap Patier glass. So, um, cool. You know, just you know, just kind of mixing it up, throwing it out mm-hmm. there. Um, so, uh, uh, Jonas, my friend, are we ready for a question? Uh, I'm ready anytime. So yes. Okay. What's our question going to be today? Here comes our producer. Okay. Waiting for the magical question to pop up. Okay. I could put in there, um, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm writing for a beer blog called Kiss My Brew, um, headed by um, a new friend of mine named Dorian Tully. That's Dorian Tully. He is a Frenchman. 
and a beer lover, among other things. He grew up 40 miles from the Belgian frontier, and IPA, I believe, is his favorite style. That's called kissmybrew.com. Very soon, uh, he can be asking his followers and the people on his list for um for questions as well so we can not only get questions through um through our mailing list but his as well i hope and i hope everyone will visit dorian's website he's a he's a good guy and he lives in barcelona so this truly is a world of barcelona spain so this truly is a world effort oh that's excellent does he live in the mountains of spain or well in barcelona i think is on the northeast coast Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Well, let's see here. We have a couple of options. Mm. Okay. Um, I would shoot for number two at this yeah. moment, Sam, because barley wines, believe it or not, after all of these years, I don't know that I don't have much to say on it at this moment. I'd have to do a little research. Yeah, I can speak to the I can speak to the style and the love of them, and um, and actually to you know all things barley when it comes to the wine part. But yeah, the current market is something I'm not familiar with. But yes, let's go with number two, Jonas. Why don't you read the question? Okay, are IPAs overhyped in the current market? Um, in this case, I guess we will refer to the. Um, are we talking about the American market, Sam, in general, as the focal point? I think probably so. You know, it's with these magical questions that pop up, it's hard to get it um, real pinpoint or not. But yeah, let's go ahead and assume um, it's the no American problem. market. And then maybe, we, you know, of course, we can jump from there. But, um, okay. you know, I, I want to start off with uh, just kind of mentioning one of uh, what I think is, is one of the best examples of a uh, where we've come uh, full circle with American IPAs, and that's the Bell's Two-Hearted uh product which is you know it's delicious it's very drinkable um but you know the overhyped part is um Uh i think uh you know bells in itself has kind of played into that with their double uh double hearted ale but i'm Uh not sure about the hyped part um you know uh americans we love to uh blow things up <laughs> uh we like to make things bigger better crazier than everybody else in the world and um i think ipas represent that and so american ipas you know uh jonas they started with sierra nevada right is that what you it would give them claim to fame there mm, well i would see that a little more as a pale ale but that definitely got that got people reintroduced to hops, which they probably had not tasted in 30 years prior to Sierra Nevada coming out. Excellent. Yeah. That's Something like that. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, it started with a pale ale and um, I think from there grew, uh, but um, you know, a lot of things we're seeing now are um, uh, creation of new styles, uh, categories in the IPA world, the whole, you know, wet hopping, the whole New England style, the juicies, mm-hmm. the the milkshakes, mm-hmm. all the crazy stuff that's out there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Jonas, from speaking from your beer history uh, in the mountains of Appalachia there and in North Carolina, um, uh, what have you seen, you know, what, what 20, let's take us back, uh, let's take us back to the day when you were in Asheville and, uh-huh. uh, and things were cranking up there as far as the beer scene and um, uh-huh. what, what did you see rolling out initially as far as IPA category? 
it was uh it was a known style but it was by no means a headliner i mean it was number three or four on the list at best i mean we were mostly into uh really heavy into porters um pale ales of course and uh, maybe some good german lager as far as my brewing experience I believe, I believe it or not, I never brewed one at home. But when I started brewing them uh, at the Green Man Brewery in about, I think I brewed one in 1997 or 1998 and brewed a couple of batches. And um, I went, you know, I went, I was of the, I, I like a, I like an IPA to be really malty. I like it to balance the hops. So I followed more of a British style. But even at that time, Granted, there, you know, there were only about 2,500 breweries in the U.S. at that time. <laughs> but when you went to the, when you went to the store to in the in the uh, the specialty section, you really wouldn't see more than four or five IPAs at the most. Yeah. And and I may have been the first Asheville brewer to brew one. Highland mm-hmm. had not brewed one yet. I think they've done that in the last 10 or 15 years. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I, but I do prefer the malty balance, and so I tend to go for a more British style. I want heavy malt and slightly heavier alcohol. Like my my original gravity was uh, maybe ten fifty eight, which of course now that would be considered probably a, a mild. but yeah back in the day man they were more into porters now that said i brewed an extra special bitter which is um similar to an ipa in that it's a little more heavily hopped than a pale ale and perhaps has a little bit more adjunct malt in it um but that was kind of my mainstay. So that was my take on the bitter beer at the time. But got, but folks, we're going back uh, 23, 24 years at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's good to have the, yeah, I think it's good to kind of see back then what was going on. I mean, it's uh, my recent experience and in foray into the industry, uh, you know, definitely led me to see lots of uh, examples of the growth of IPAs. Um, but I'm with you as far as the style. I really like the British style, like the true roots of it all. Um, unlike you, I, you know, one of my, uh, one of my mainstays in my home brewing was a house IPA and, uh, mm-hmm. it was by no far, uh, and by no means anywhere near American, uh, IBUs or bitterness. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, primarily malt, uh, it was all about the malt and then balanced with the hops. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, you know, one thing I'm enjoying is with the advent and the, I guess, really the uh, uh, the ability for home brewers and, and for, you know, national brewers, for commercial brewers to be able to get their hands on a wide variety of hops. The experimentation with uh, single hopped uh, beers, uh, um, you know, some falling within that American IPA, uh, you know, single varietal hop beers in that IPA category. Um, and mm-hmm. then just, you know, explosions of beers that are up there in the, uh, you know, 80s uh, to 90 IBU category, which um, back in our time, we probably would have used something that would have just been so heavily uh, 
uh, hop forward, that it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as floral as what we're seeing today. And right. uh, you get more of the resiny quality, which I think there's a lot of good examples of the resiny IPAs too. But um, in this case, you know, you really get to experience hops um, in, in a way that a lot of folks don't, unless you're a brewer. And so I think, you know, this will sound silly, but um, I think it's the, with the overhyping of, of IPAs in America, um, there's become a wide consumer education on mm-hmm. what hops are. I mean, you can, mm-hmm. a lot of beer palates, a lot of people that are just consumers, and I say that with much respect, um, know as much about hops today as probably I do, uh, as far as the varieties where they come from, flavor profiles. Uh, it's pretty It's pretty great to see that happening. The um, brewers are probably putting out good literature to support their brands. You know, the, they have websites, of course, you can visit and maybe even literature at the shop. But if you go to their website, you could probably, uh, they'll tell you what they put in their beer and, and they will uh, explicate and describe down to the last detail of what you may be experiencing in your beer. And back when, when you and I started brewing, that stuff wasn't available. People didn't even have websites yet. Uh, I think I just gave away our age. But um, Sam, something that comes to mind, which honestly I have never experienced because I've been living overseas for uh, over a decade is, can you tell me, tell us exactly what is a New England IPA I've been hearing about? I hear it's this uh, quite citrusy, explosively hoppy and possibly quite strong. Could you tell, tell us about that? Yeah. Now, you know, just as a disclaimer, you know, I, I want to make it clear to our, to our thousands of listeners at this point that um, <laughs> this is not, this is by no means a, uh, um, you know, Google me folks, because uh, this is on the record. Find, <laughs> this is on the record, but you know, this is not a quiz and I'm not uh, trying to impress with uh, anything other than just uh, my love of beer. Um, however, uh, what I interpret that style to be is citrusy, uh, a lot of pineapple notes, um, hazy is the primary quality of that beer. Uh, it, really? it needs to, it needs to look like it's not filtered. Um, okay. you know, this whole, that's another thing we've seen with the advent of the IPAs in America is, uh, the clarity and the crisp and the bright that we strive for so hard with, uh, as commercial brewers of all of our kettle tricks and filtering and all that um, became a moot point uh, with this style. And so you see them very cloudy and um, you see the, uh, um, uh, the explosion of the hops in it. And then of course, yeah, uh, IPAs in general keep going up as far as the uh, ABV. Um, I think, you know, I've seen new ones from six, five up to push an eight. Okay. And I believe that most Mid-range. people now, okay. anything, yeah, I think, I think maybe eight, five, and then above that, you start looking at doubles. And then, of course, you, you do see double New England's out there now, and that sort of thing. Um, excuse me, I'm just uh, drinking a little bit of the Chimay here. It's uh, fantastic, mm-hmm. warming up finally in the glass. But, um, sure. and, you know, um, for a long time, I think there, when the, when the style first started kind of coming out, there was a lot of addition of fruit. Um, I know that there was a producer, really? I forget the name of the brewery that used kumquat in their beers, um, which is really interesting apricot. Um, and then I think after the, uh, kind of the commercial bend on that and they figured out how expensive fruit can be, you know, 
either whole fruit or, you know, extracts, uh, uh, juice even can be so expensive when you're adding at that, at that level, then they started really looking at the hops for giving that, you know, imparting those, those qualities to it. So this that's what fruit, I'm saying This today. fruit quality, was it just a, um, a personal choice of the brewer for, for, for marketing or for flavor, or is it part of the official style guideline? Well, I tell you, that's a good question. And if this was a, uh, a show deeply rooted in research and facts, then I would go back and check that one out. But um, that's my way of kind of throwing the ball back okay. at you saying, hey, um, yeah, sure. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I think that um, the interesting thing about it when I tasted some of those original styles um, was that it wasn't about, it wasn't like a, an apricot beer, right? A kumquat beer. That was part of the profile. And to me, I like that balance of fruit hops and malt um, okay. when, when it plays to the fruit you know sometimes you see beers in general that uh, have a fruit addition but it you know it might not be a dark cherry stout as far as tasting like a cherry beer but then you you know the the stout gets overruns the cherry and you can't get any of the cherry quality so um, the other thing I want to say about that too and it, 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 it makes good sense is you know New England IPAs are very unstable. The shelf life is very limited. Um, oh, okay. You know, the born on date and all that stuff on cans and bottles is, is very important there. And of course, uh, storage of the beers, you know, these beers do not survive <laughs> uh, going back and forth in the, uh, in, in, in temperature. Uh, it won't, it temperature won't survive changes. temperature changes. It just has to, right. I mean, it's an unfiltered beer. So there's, especially being an ale, it's just not, well, if it's an American ale strain, it's not going to be as resilient as, for example, some of the Belgian Belgian yeast, which can handle almost anything. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got all the protein. I've got all the, you know, you've got all the material itself that hasn't been, you know, filtered out or has dropped out in some type of kettle trick or, you know, secondary trick in the fermenter. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, you've got all that haze that really leads to instability right there. Um, so it's more than just yeast. It's yeah, you mean they're 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 purposely leaving like protein in the kettle oh, yeah. to to make it so it's like drinking. Well, I mean, I'm being a little yeah. tiny facetious, but it has a cereal quality to it. It can, yeah, it absolutely can, and uh, um, and even though people don't want to admit it, I've had a couple that I I could swear probably were very clarified at the time of. Um, uh, a production and then they were like oops and so they went back and added lactic acid uh to make it hazy <laughs> that's crazy so, talk yeah that's yeah, crazy no, talk know, yeah that's like, <laughs> insane right for us old school brewers but um yeah. well i believe in <laughs> let's 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 shift it for a second and sure. we can address the second part of the well i actually i don't see the question anymore but we talked about the ipas being overhyped and yeah one thing I want to say about American brewers that being one myself, you know, home brewer and commercial brewer is that we're, we're pretty innovative folks. And yeah. I always enjoyed having the freedom to do what I wanted, what, what we wanted to do. Okay. Okay. Um, that said, we, people are going a little bit overboard um, in the recent market and perhaps they have to because they have to compete with 
with so many other brands now. So they have to be more creative. They have to add more hops. They have to add different hops. They have to um, add so many different ingredients to differentiate themselves. Yeah. So yeah. as far as being overhyped and people getting so excited about IPAs and, oh my gosh, this is the most bitter beer I've ever had. And, oh my God, did you did you have such and such, you know, the the lemon tart, uh, snozberry, you know, double yep. apple, triple. It's just a bit much. It's just, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. It is. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, you know, to go off even not off script, but over the overhyped, I think the overhyped really kind of applies to what ends up happening with American competition where great things come of it. But in the interim, you get some, some things that just, you know, uh, are overbearing. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you hit it on the head with people having a, up the, up the beer ante when they're playing beer poker. And that is okay. Um, uh, more hops, more hops, more hops. Uh, and so, you know, you do have some bad examples out there and some bad beer, unfortunately. Um, you know, and that's kind of, again, that's, that's America. We like to make things really, you know, over the top and if you look at it now i mean there've always been bitter beers in belgium right but now you've got um you know beers that are kind of emulating a lot of those uh styles yeah. from america or at least using their language right uh they like are. double they're ipas some, well they're, yeah. they're they're marketing some hoppy beers now and again they're they've always had heavy competition but now they're getting international competition there's yeah. more uh imports uh, into Europe than there ever have been before from the United States. And so they're having to compete. Uh, Sam, we should probably take, let's each take about one one or two minutes each. And do you have a suggestion on for our homebrewing audience on how they can make their, uh, their IPAs better or just what's your take on it? Well, I tell you, um, you know, Let's uh, let's step away from the American IPA uh, scene, and I think that really, first and foremost, um, being able to determine the alpha acidity of the hops you're using is very important. Um, if you notice now, a lot of people are not putting IBUs on their beers commercially, um, and I think that's secondary to the fact that you know quite often you buy hops and you just just disregard the acidity of, of those, you know, of that variety. Um, and then people kind of, I, you know, maybe you're scared of it or a little bit, but um, as a home brewer, what I would recommend is definitely following a very traditional hop schedule. Um, <clears throat> my format used to be uh, beginning a boil, first hop addition, 10 minutes out, secondary hop addition, time of knockout or two minutes before, uh, put in the, uh, the bouquet and uh, the florals. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's primarily the, the biggest concern. Um, <clears throat> you know, watch your mash temperature on those. Uh, people have a tendency to strike a little too high for ales. And so I think mm -hmm. you have to be very careful um, and don't go too far above the, um, uh, the compromise temperature between the two enzymes that you're trying to yes. activate. Um, yes. And, um, you know, and then brew to your palate. I think that's the other thing too, uh, brew to your palate, but, um, that's how I would approach it as a home brewer. How about you? 
I would definitely go on the lower end as far as mass temperature. I'd stay between 149 and 152 in the beta amylase range. Um, I would go heavy on the malt, make it a stronger beer, maybe five and a half to six percent. Um, me as a brewer, I because I was doing British style beers, I mean, Kent Golding was one of my favorite and it never went more than about 5.5 alpha. But when I would brew an IPA, now I actually, when I did it, but I would use some Northern Brewer, but I would brew it 80 minutes from the end, 60, 30, 15, and maybe three or something like this. I would brew hop several mini stages, but in more modest amounts. So the IBUs would be in the 55 to 60 range, not over the top, but we're talking about a 6% beer. So the balance was real nice there. But I guess definitely I would, my interpretation of style, I would go on the lower, the lower mash range. And if you want to use some high alpha hops, I would use just a little bit on the first hopping, maybe 80 minutes from the end, 10 minutes into the boil. But then when you, when you start laying the hops in there heavy last 60 minutes, I would stay with Kent Golding or some five to five to six range English or uh, alpha bitterness tops. And if you need to use more, use more. I just felt I got more hop care. You know, you get more character. You kind of get what you pay for. Yeah. And Kent Golding's a, that's the, that's, that's the money. That's the money ticket right there. You know, if you if you want the more fullness out of your hops, you know, buy quality hops. If you just want yeah. bitterness for your buck, then get the highest possible alpha you can find. That that's the cheapest you can find. I'm not saying they're bad hops, but it could make you know a two dimensional beer, and that's not what what brewers should be. Well, we hope we're shooting for the best we can do. Absolutely. You know, that's one thing too. Just speaking of. Um, a great homebrewing trick is, uh, you know, most homebrewers can't afford oak barrels, um, but um, I always had an oak tea that I would make that went into my IPAs, um, you know, at two stages. One would be kind of like you would do at knockout with uh, maybe uh, additional malt in a bag, but I would uh, use oak chips that have been already soaked a little bit, um, put those off in the kettle um, and let them stand as you're doing the whirlpool and then cooling down. And then I'd make a secondary oak tea for um, when I moved to secondary fermentation, of course, pasteurize the hell out of it and then uh, uh, introduce that into the bottom of the, of the fermenter and then put the beer, rack the beer over the top of that. Um, so, you know, there's a lot you can do there, but that created a standard in my home, you know, homemade house version of IPA that people always notice. Mm -hmm. Now, it wasn't like a Chardonnay or something crazy, you know, uh, yeah. that was just so oaky that you were like, oh my gosh, that's an oak beer. Um, mm -hmm. But it, uh, it definitely lent the, uh, uh, gave it a, you know, uh, a keel, an unevenness that, that people expected mm -hmm. when they would drink it. And um, people consistently commented on how good it was, but also how much they remembered it was from the last time. And that's what I tried to achieve. Homebrewing, you don't have to do that all the time, but that's something that I, uh, um, you know, I like to do. Uh, it, it, it creates less surprises that way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, I think it's important that we acknowledge to our listeners, Jonas, that we're speaking from 
from history here uh, of our homebrewing knowledge and hours and hours of, you know, I can't even imagine how many hours we both have spent over the kettles at home. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, we just, I just don't want to lead anybody on to think that, you know, we're here brewing in our kitchens right now because no. um, I know it's your situation in the, in the big city there in Taiwan and my, and my living situation here in Appalachia, we, we currently have limited access to home brewing. Um, but again, you know, my recipe base is about 45 uh, recipes total. And yeah. um, we've spent a few hours beside the kettle. If any, <laughs> if anybody uh, would, uh, yeah, we, we've spent a few hours by the kettle few hours well we should take the last few minutes we got um i think we have a couple yeah six or seven minutes five or six minutes left but uh let let, let's just take a minute or two and talk about the beer we're drinking now i'll begin if you don't mind i'm 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 just going to keep it simple uh number one i have enjoyed this at a glass in a glass at a proper temperature about 45 50 degrees and it, it's it's very delicious it's very crisp um it's a little more tart than some of the beers um again it's called vedette v-e-d-e-t-t i believe it is a dutch made. actually it looks like it's made by the duval company i see duval on the bottle so i believe it's a dutch made white beer um again it's a little more tart it says uh, it says extra white slightly clouded uh, yo, please forgive that. Um, did did you hear that? No, I didn't. What was oh, that? Okay. Was that an earthquake or somebody was trying to call me on Skype from the states, and it was just ringing oh. in my ear. It says slightly clouded with coriander and orange peel, which most white beers are. But I won't. I can't really see it at this moment. But I highly recommend it. Again, that's V E D E T T, Vedette White Beer. Quite delicious. Well, you know, um, uh, Jonas will be the first to tell you all out there that my pronunciation of beers and language is horrible. Um, So I'm not going to even try sometimes. I will just uh, phonetically say things the way I see them. Um, Mm -hmm. But this Chenet is, uh, is, you know, one of the gold standards of a Trappist uh, beer. And the interesting thing about it is the... um, IBUs are almost non-apparent. I mean, it's got to be 11, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe nine. Tops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, you know, just, uh, it's just like the word hops was whispered over, uh, the, the kettle. Um, probably just one induction of hops, I would imagine. But the nice thing that I always appreciate about Chimay is the sediment and the yeasty quality of these beers, uh, speaks for itself. It, it's bread-like, um, uh, it's not hot as far as the alcohol. The alcohol is so well balanced. I, I, you know, the Trappist I try to emulate or Trappist style I try to emulate always seem to come off a little hot. And this one is not hot with alcohol. Um, but this one, you know, it's just, it's just balanced and delicious. And, um, you know, again, uh, nothing like drinking a, a big boy for breakfast. Uh, it'll be nap time here in Appalachia soon. Are you <laughs> drinking a 750? You are, aren't you? No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, well, that's, yeah, I got, I got one of those laid in for lunch, but, um, well, you know, I think this has been a very pleasant conversation and, uh, I want to thank our, uh, our producer, um, he's done a great job with us this morning. And what and is his name? 
Um, you know, he is not to be named, and the one oh, that's okay. the uh, he's the, the masked producer, as we say okay. here in, in in America. Um, uh, not that he's not a great producer, but you know, we're just kind of keeping some mystery. Fine. Yeah, that sounds good. A little to me. mystery to our show there, right? Um, but uh, I look forward to our listeners coming back um, each week, hopefully, to to join us for this conversation. Um, you know, it's been fantastic, and. Uh, Jonas, why don't you take us out? All right. Well, everyone from Beerland, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, please forward to us. We'll get you that information shortly if you don't already have it. But we're here to talk about anything and everything. And if I go off the rails, well, that's just the kind of day it's been. You know, we do our best. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think we could probably give our web, I mean, our maybe give our email uh, address, uh, producer. Free, Free phone, phone pod, folks. Pod. You were so here lots for of the fish. First one. Yes. You and all your little fish buddies. That's right. F-R-E-E-F-O-A-M-P-O-D right. at gmail.com. And Feed the Google. Feed the Google. Yes. There you go. All right. Later. All right. Love you. Bye.